On this episode, we talk with Bub Designs founder and president, Robert Lane. He's a great guy, and I hope you enjoy this interview. So let's hear your elevator. I want to hear your elevator pitch. Yeah. Okay. We ready? Yeah. Let's <laughs> let, let, let me hear it because I'm sure when you when you meet with people, right? They're like, "So what do you do?" Oh God, yeah, that old question. <laughs> yeah, that old question. Uh, yeah, and it depends on where I'm at and how I answer. But uh, and this elevator pitch has changed recently, um, and we're we're upgrading it. But for the past four years of my life, this elevator pitch has been something along the lines of. We're an integrated digital marketing company and agency here in Denver. Um, the reason that we're a lot different than most agencies is that we do all of our work in-house. We outsource nothing nice. from, uh, from our office, if at all possible. Um, the other big difference is that we work with small, mid-sized businesses rather than enterprise B2B. And um, the reason for that is that I grew up around a small business environment in life. I saw how big a difference marketing could make for those people. Yeah. And that's really what we built Bove on. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, mm-hmm. that's a great, that is a great elevator pitch. Well, thanks. <laughs> it's like, oh, I get what you do. You get and I think I want to work with you. Yes. <laughs> so, hey, um, I want to hear kind of your story, right? Your journey yeah. from where you grew up, where you went to school, what you were like in school. Yeah. And then when you made that jump to being your own boss or working in the corporate world, whatever yeah. that looks like, I'd like to hear kind of where all that be- began. So sure. So let's start off. Where are you from? Dayton, Ohio. Grew Dayton. up in uh, southwest Ohio, just a small suburb, about 40 minutes north of Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah. So are you like a skyline chili kind oh, of guy? Oh, God, yes. Or, okay. Yeah. No yeah. gold star for me. It's all skyline. <laughs> skyline and, uh, or bust. If you don't know what Cincinnati chili is, you should definitely check it out. Yeah. <clears throat> That's definitely an acquired taste, I, <laughs> I feel like. It's an experience. <laughs> yeah. What was, what was that like and what kind of economy was there? Was it a lot of like blue collar, yeah, hardworking Americans? Very blue collar. Uh, Dayton, Ohio grew up. It was, it was more of a steel town. Um, NCR was there as well, cash register company that's now taken over all point of sale systems, essentially. The economy was strong when I was growing up. Right now, it is, it's kind of going downhill a little bit, unfortunately. I think that's just a part of the Midwest, um, the types of jobs that are coming into those areas. They're not going to Dayton, they're coming to Denver. Uh, But growing up there was an awesome place to grow up. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a place more of like a Midwest... Very Midwestern. You're out riding your bike until yes. sunset you know, yes. in the summertime. <laughs> My parents kicked me out of the house <laughs> yeah. and said, I'll see you at dinner. Like, <laughs> yeah. it was great, man. Yeah. A lot of adventures and things like that. What were you like in school? Were you kind of like a heady kid reading books <laughs> and like no. doing that? Or were you more? Not at all. Like, I didn't try it all in school. Um, my mom's going to hate Hopefully me. your kids aren't listening right <laughs> now. <laughs> I will not play this one for them. Um, no, I didn't have to try a lot in school and that's, I, I, that's a gift and a curse as well, but I, I wish I would have tried harder. I'll be honest with you mm. in school though. Uh, you asked if I was a heady kid. I think so. Yeah. I was uh, a pretty intelligent kid. Um, did well in school was a good athlete as well. The, the dichotomy I had was that I was a good athlete, but also a good musician. And so okay. I was in band and played baseball and soccer and golf and all these other things. You're like the Ferris Bueller of your your neighborhood. Maybe not that cool. That's <laughs> like, you know, sausage king of Chicago cool. But um, no, I think that that's a that's an interesting comparison. But jack of all trades, I right. guess. I ran in a lot of different groups. Okay. Um, and I was fine being a nerd or a jock. Really, yeah. You know? Yeah, I was kind of like that too. Uh, I wasn't a jock. I was in choir. So, okay. but I, you know, it was like I wasn't super nerdy, like playing magic with the kids in the lunchroom, <laughs> you know, and I wasn't super cool wearing a letter jacket down yeah. the activities hallway, but I was like right in the middle where I had some cool friends, yep. you know, and had some nerdy friends. I think that's the best way to do it, man. It was, it was a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because I, I think from that experience, it's helped me be a chameleon in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And as a business owner, just having to network and deal with lots of different types of people. Yeah. Man, that's been uh, a big boon for me. Right. Yeah. You can kind of get into any situation and blend in and have a conversation with a lot of different people. Absolutely. Totally valuable. Totally valuable. So you're kind of like 
the the Renaissance man in your high school. We'll go with that. <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none. Yes, still. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then what, you know, your home life. Do you have siblings and, and things yeah. like that. Okay. Grew up as a, a middle child. Have an older brother, uh, Justin, and a younger sister, Olivia. Um, older brother, just the greatest dude in the world, and still is. And mm. I've got a great younger sister as well. I was just I was talking to you about this beforehand, where I had to do a lifeline exercise with a business group. Yeah. I couldn't think of, and if she hears this, I'm sorry, Olivia, I couldn't think of anything like a substantial memory from our childhood. I was like, what happened? I just forget all of this. How, how younger is she than you? She's five years, okay. four and a half years younger. Okay. So you're um, like 10, she's five. Yeah. So we just must've missed each other a little bit. But yeah. like once we got to teenage years and later, um, that's when the fun started. Yeah. So it was just interesting. <laughs> You're like, hey, I don't remember you. <laughs> yeah. But grew up in a big family overall. We were Catholic uh, growing up. And uh, one side of my family, there are nine kids. Um, so I had eight aunts and uncles. Oh, wow. And tons so it was like of Sunday cousins. family dinner was like... Big deal. Big deal. Yeah. And when we get together, we get together in a very loud, forceful way. So yeah. we just had a family reunion slash wedding out here in Colorado. Okay. And that hotel was not ready for uh, the Lane family, but uh, <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> I love that. I grew up in an Italian family, yeah. and it was pretty chaotic and loud. And it was, you know, the saying was like, if if somebody didn't get a, get into a fight like on a holiday, yeah. like it wasn't Christmas. Yes, you know, <laughs> so yes. that's just how it was. Like if someone didn't storm out on Christmas Eve and like f you all, <laughs> like it wasn't a good holiday. And my my girlfriend didn't grow up that way, and so uh, she's yes. around this now, and she's like, "What <laughs> she's is happening? Like, what is going on?" <laughs> yeah, that's that's <clears> awesome. <throat> so, uh, were your parents pretty supportive of you when you were younger? I mean, were they? Yeah, um, yeah, kind of like, hey, great. whatever you want to do, we're gonna help you help you through that. Yeah, I think so. They they were always um they were always there to support. Uh I was I think a pretty defiant child. Mm-hmm. I was independent. I knew what I wanted to do my entire life. I knew I'd, I wanted to run a business or or just do something on my own. So they left me alone to do that. Um and they supported me in the times when I I think they knew I needed it. Yeah. And let me fail at things that they knew I needed to fail at. Right. Um I'm a very hard-headed individual. <laughs> So sometimes you got to skin your knees to uh, three or four times you know. usually. Yeah. yeah. So then after high school was, was right on to college. I mean, is that, yeah, I went from, um, let's see. Yeah. I went right to college. I didn't like college at all. It was not for me. Yeah. Me neither. I, I just, I hated it. It was just not a thing. I, I think it was because it challenged me to be a much better student than I, than I was in high school. Yeah. And I wasn't interested in that at all. <laughs> I wanted to go start a business or do something else. I wanted to find a way to make money and support myself. Yeah. And um, so I went to college. I, I tried it for three and a half years. Oh, I mean, that's I, that's pretty good. That's better than me. I only got a semester in and was like, this is not for me. I'm out. Well, see, I did that like three times. <laughs> okay. Like I'd go back and I'd be like, all right, this is not for me still. Uh, <laughs> the old college try. <laughs> One more try. Again, it's the whole, what we just said of, uh, I need to scrape my knee a few times before I realized it's just not for me. Um, so finally, after a while, I, I had some success in sales while I was going to school. Mm-hmm. And from then on, I remember my dad coming to me, and he, he might not remember this, but he looked at me one day, and I was really frustrated doing business calc, which I hated and failed three times. And he said, uh, you hate this stuff, man. Like, why are you doing this? Do you want to do this? I was like, no, <laughs> not at all. And he said, you should figure out what you want to do. Hmm. And I did. Wow. So your dad coming to you, I mean, how'd that make you feel? Because, uh, I mean, was he just essentially looking into your life being like, hey? Yeah, I think he saw a lot of himself in me. Yeah. Um, he had kids early, and I think he went right into the workforce. Um, and I'm not, I don't want to speak for him. I don't know if he, if he would have gone to college um, otherwise. But I think that he just recognized that we were similar in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and that I needed to just go try and fail until I got it right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, it, you know, when you have, you know, a lot of kids have pressure on them from their yeah. parents to finish college or do a specific thing, be a lawyer, be a doctor, whatever that is. So there's a lot of like external pressure mm-hmm. to maybe do something that you don't love. And then you wake up midlife crisis, like I hate yeah. my life. <laughs> I hate what I'm doing. Well, and up until that point, I, I did feel that pressure. My brother's a highly intelligent guy and has all the degrees in the world. And it's right. like, it's just, that's who he is. Um, he could, he would have gone to college forever had he uh, been given the, the 
the choice, I think. Um, not me. Yeah. Not me at all. Well, I wonder, you know, if, if now you look back, because it's interesting, I, I think when I, I'm, I'm into so many things now that I used to not be when I was younger. Like, I love history. Mm-hmm. Like, watching documentaries on Vietnam or World War II or, like, all these things I thought were so boring and lame you know, when I was in high school, now I'm like, oh man, I wish I would have paid attention. Right. Cause I really should know this. <laughs> yeah. Like this is very interesting. <laughs> I mean, now when you look back, is there something that you would say, oh, maybe I should have like, I think percussion. I think I would have, okay. I would have focused more on music. Yeah. It was the, it's the first thing that I remember in life that opened up the creative side of my brain. Really? And I think I fought so hard against it for so mm-hmm. long because I wanted to be a great athlete and be these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think music would have been a bi- a much bigger focus for me. Yeah. So, uh, did you start playing the drums or whatnot when you were in high school, or when did you third grade? Oh wow. Yeah. So started in third grade. Uh, that was when you, you could first, I guess, between third and fourth grade is when you would try out for, try out for band. Right. Yeah. Um, that band was hilarious. There was like nine people in our school band, um, but we did play the Jurassic Park theme song successfully. Um, yep. Got it. <laughs> what was your drums? <laughs> It was, uh, <laughs> that was, they had, they had introduction to, uh, the xylophone. And on the cymbal. Yeah. It was a xylophone and like triangle and <laughs> nice. wind chimes. Nice. So nothing, uh, no jazz band heavy, okay. heaviness there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, I would have definitely dug into music more, mm. um, and honestly dedicated more time to golf. That was probably the sport okay. that I should have stuck with and, and got talk into. Talk about business connections. I mean, it's, it's helpful. Yeah, golfing. I, you know, my best friend's a golfer, and I cannot get into it for the life of me. And it's it's way harder than it looks. You know, you mm-hmm. think I'm going to go in here and like hit it, you know, 200 yards. Sure. No. No, it's, it's the hardest sport I've ever it played. It's very difficult to be good at. Yeah. For sure. But you, do you like drinking? Yeah. Okay. Well, I can drive a cart and drink like nobody's <laughs> business. So I'm always along for the ride. Perfect. I'll but, invite you next time. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> um. All right. So then, essentially. College, no go, sales. Sales, man. All right, I like connecting with people. I can handle rejection. Mm -hmm. And you started going down that road. So what was what was that like? What did what was the job or where did you work that was like your first yeah real real job? Well, I guess the first real job was uh, I worked at a country club, and that's where I really. So that wasn't in college, but this is sort of a primer to that story. That's where I really understood how to interact with people. Mm-hmm. That's when I learned like how to tip well, like what that meant, mm-hmm. um, how to get what you want in a conversation, mm-hmm. um, dealing with people that were successful, they were really willing to impart wisdom on me, whether or not I wanted it or mm-hmm. not. Um, and so I took a lot of those, I think, um, nuggets of wisdom that they gave me into my, my sales gig. And when I was going to college, I, if you're from the Midwest, you might know of a store called Meyer. It's like a grocery store, like King Super. Mm-hmm. And they had these little kiosks in there where they sold cell phones. And I just, every time I would go through, there was this young girl there and, and I would always just chat her up a little bit. And one day we just started talking and she was like, Oh, we're hiring. Are you interested? Like, uh, not really at all, but okay. <laughs> like I was just thinking about what I needed to do. I was between jobs and, uh, I was like, all right, screw it. Let's try, let's try this. And I met a guy named Kevin Cundiff, who was the manager for these stores. Um, still friends with Kevin today and still rely on him as a mentor every once in a while. Um, but wise beyond his years, he was my age, but he owned a home. He had a cool car. He had a fan. Like he just knew what he was doing. Yeah. I was like, what does this guy know that I don't know? <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'd like to know <laughs> yeah. what he knows. Um, and like I said, just wise beyond his years and really helped me come out of my shell. I was really shy. And that's what I was most afraid of with a sales gig is just mm-hmm. that face-to-face interaction. Um, didn't have a problem with, with my friends or, or anything like that. But in that type of setting, it was, it was difficult for me. He really got me out of that shell and showed me what it took to, to relate to people and have these conversations. Mm. And man, once I, once I dug in, it was, it was no stopping me. Really? Um, pretty quickly within about 18 months, um, I had taken over four of the stores. Um, they, these weren't stores in, in kiosks anymore. They were just like in malls or in retail shopping centers, things like that. 
And uh, this is around the time when AT&T had just purchased Singular Wireless, if you can remember that. Yes, I do. It's crazy. They went from AT&T to Singular back to AT&T. Yes, yeah. Great branding. Um, so within that, though, I got a lot of experience in a small company because I had to learn how to do local marketing for these stores at a local level. Um, I got experience working with larger companies because AT&T was massive. And so understanding how they did things and why they did things did, didn't make any sense to me. And it was a, it was sort of a good crash course in the bureaucratic nature of enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to learn how to manage people. I got to build small businesses and teams times 27, essentially, over the course of a four and a half year period. Um, so I didn't run all 27 of those stores, but certainly helped set them up create the teams, create the process and procedure, marketing, everything that, that I do on a daily basis now. Hmm. Um, so that was grounds. like, that was the training ground and I screwed it up massively and still do, but it's, it was the reps that I needed to feel comfortable moving forward. Right. Yeah. yeah I always say everyone should work sales or retail. I, th- I think if you want to have a happy life, mm-hmm. you, you should work those kind of yes. spaces because it gives you perspective. Yeah. Um, I think so many times when people go from college to working a corporate job, Monday through Friday, weekends off, paid vacations, all these kind of things, they don't realize that it could be way worse. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I remember the first time I got my first, you know, corporate job, I'd come from working retail. I worked at Apple for a cool. long time. And, you know, it was just amazing. It was like, whoa, like, we get to go home at five. <laughs> or right. Like, I don't have to come in the day after Thanksgiving. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, cause you get there and I everyone's can take complaining. Vacation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get there and everyone's complaining like, oh, it's too hot, too cold. It's yeah. miserable. I'm like, man, you, you should go have someone yell at you no in a retail space for oh a little my bit. God. And you'll see how awesome it is working in an office. Customer's <laughs> always right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so that's cool. So that's kind of. You worked there for four years. That's a, that's a long time. Like yeah. your early 20s was, you know. Yeah, I think I started there when I was 20. Okay. Uh, and so early, mid-20s. Um, Which is it, like an eternity. Four years when you're dude, that age. That was like, forever. Yeah. I was like, I can do this forever. <laughs> it was and great. forever happened. You're like, oh, I think I'm like, done. like, oh, I'm done with this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, and after a while, I, I had um, some friends from high school and, and through college that had taken jobs in some other large organizations in Dayton, mm-hmm. one of them being LexisNexis. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before, but they're a big data company. Okay. They work a lot with, uh, in the legal world, providing um, court documentation and just information on casework. Mm-hmm. So attorneys use them all the time. I was there working with higher education markets. So I worked with um, the director of a library on a college campus. So okay. not exactly the coolest customer to work with. Yeah. But man, those ladies, they loved me. It was, it was awesome. It was yeah. like really a fun job to go meet these people. Um, but I, while I was at LexisNexis, that was really where I, I kind of cut my teeth on um, corporate level marketing, corporate level sales, how it's different from what I was doing before. Uh-huh. Um, and really quickly realized that I hated the cube farm life. Like I just did not want to be in a cubicle. Yeah. And that was my, I'd say probably within six to eight months of being there. I was like, I got to figure something out. I can't do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. It's soul crushing to watch you're, these you're people in middle man. management. Like I yeah. can't do this when I'm 40. And, um, so right then and there is when I made the decision that I was going to pursue, finally pursue something that I wanted to do on my own. Yeah. Didn't know what it was at that point. Um, but I had at that time started coming out to Denver a lot. This was sort of the hub that I would come to. And then, um, if I would needed to meet with a, a customer or go to a conference, to go skiing or something like that? Or? Well, it was it was more my, my client base was all west of Denver. Okay. So all of the two- and four-year universities west of, of Denver were in my territory. And so when I would come visit with them or when I would uh, come out for a conference, Denver was sort of the starting spot, and I just fell in love with it, man. I just yeah. I was coming here, uh, learned, learned to, uh, to snowboard, fell in love with the weather. You know, I'd, I'd go home and talk to my, my grandmother and my parents, and they were like, wasn't it? snowing and cold and I was like no it's like this incredible place that nobody realizes <laughs> exactly. exists yeah um that it's always sunny in f- at least 60 degrees so yeah. I said screw it I'm moving and uh eventually well, left was that was that scary for you to 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 leave your hometown it was I mean it was, was huge. that 
was that something that was you got counsel from people or whatever, or was there any business opportunities <clears throat> that were opened up here, which was the catalyst to bring you here? Or, I mean, what was that? Uh, originally, I was able to move within LexisNexis. Okay. In sort of 11th hour when that was all happening. Um, my girlfriend at the time and I were, were about to move out here, and they came back to me and had a new sales director who came in and said, we want all of our staff to remain in Dayton. And I said, well, I'm moving. And he said, we'll see you later. <laughs> and I said, all right, so this is done. And so we were already kind of committed to moving. And I um, immediately just dove into trying to find a sales gig to get myself out here. Yeah. Landed one with uh, Westward, actually. A magazine. Selling, yeah, okay. selling advertising. Nice. And uh, yeah, that wasn't the right fit either. But it was a, it was a means to an end right. you know, for, for what I needed. And um, pretty quickly after moving out here, I was able to actually land my first client within marketing. Okay. I had started educating myself at LexisNexis on social, on email marketing, and more so on, on SEO. Mm. SEO had really just started to become this thing. Yeah. And Very important thing. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to help them with it at LexisNexis, and they were just like, ah, it's okay. Go back to your cube. Um, we'll handle the we marketing. We don't need this internet thing. Right. <laughs> it was like, we do things through trade shows with tchotchkes. Okay. Um, so I got quickly just, I got, I got into that mindset and became obsessed with it. And that's why I asked you earlier about that. You just get obsessed with podcasting when you first started. Um, you couldn't get me away from it. And it had been a long time since I had had something like that, that tangibly took hold of me Yeah, and I couldn't go to sleep. I wanted to research it and like read about it. Yeah. Uh, so did all the normal things that an SEO does, started a website, drove traffic to it, made it rank, and was like, oh, I'm an expert. This is awesome. I should take on clients. And uh, I, met a, I met a gentleman through um, my stepson's school who owned uh, a few credit repair companies. And he's like, I'm looking for a marketing person. Do you want to do it? <laughs> I was like, sure. Yeah. Started a company the next day. And the rest is sort of history. But we, uh, we very, we've been cash flow positive since day one, which is kind it's, of crazy yeah, to think about. Yeah, unheard of. Uh, and amazing. Immediately had a, a client of three businesses that were paying my bills, and we were we were driving success for them. It was really exciting, man. Yeah. So it was kind of a, it was kind of a whirlwind. It was just something where yeah, I went through through all of that really quickly. But yeah, it was a whirlwind from yeah. from leaving Dayton to come to Denver to starting the business was all within six months. It all yeah. happened within six months. So when you f- first came here. Tried to work at Westward doing sales of magazines or something. Yeah. Uh, how did you support yourself? I mean, how did you... I had a 401k from LexisNexis. That you cashed out? That I cashed out. <laughs> the taxes on that. Must it was been. ridiculous. <laughs> it was so stupid. <laughs> um, so I would advise against that. <laughs> yeah. I think you should meet with the financial advisor <laughs> and uh, maybe manage your money better. But that was... Um, it was It was crucial. I needed it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was what we decided to do. So that kind of that helped you float essentially your life until you got this job. Yeah, as the marketing person. Well, essentially, I had I had started a company, and he wanted to outsource okay. SEO. They knew they needed SEO, but they had never done it. And and yeah. like I said, it was in in an industry of credit repair that was different than most. It's yeah. a little more spammy than most. So he was open to whatever tactics I could bring to the table. Yeah. So it was just like go crazy, man. And he was really fair with how he paid us. Yeah. Or paid me, I should say. Yeah. So were you doing all the work in the beginning? Was it like you 100%. essentially doing everything? Yep. Now, did you ever feel like you were in over your head or that you... Every day. ...bit off more than you could chew? Mm-hmm. I mean, did it was like, did you ever feel like, man, I'm, I don't really know what I'm doing. And I'm having like Google. <laughs> Every day. I still feel that way at times. Yeah. Uh, I can remember vividly, vividly leaving the office, his office after he signed a contract because this was for three companies that he owned. Mm-hmm. And I, if I remember correctly, I think each contract was in the neighborhood of 1500 to two grand a month. So it was like six grand a month that I was not making, I wasn't making zero. So this yeah. was huge, right? And Especially uh, at that age, right? When you're that young. I was just like, I don't, <laughs> I just remember freaking out in my car. I stopped my car, I parked. And I started crying. Like, I was mm. just like, I don't know what the, f- what the F to do here. <laughs> um, and it was a gut check moment 
Like I, I vividly remember that moment. I, I'm like feeling it right now. It's mm-hmm. making me feel uncomfortable. And I remember going home and just writing about that. And every once in a while, I'll go back and revisit it and just mm. look at what I wrote. And it's essentially just really um, positive affirmations yeah. towards what I was doing and knowing that I wasn't an expert, that I would be an expert, and that this is what I was committing my life to. Yeah. So it was a huge moment. Yeah, that's cool. And it's interesting because it's almost like fate, right, had brought you to that moment. What? So how did you meet that guy? My, yes. Wow, it's such a, such a random story. When we moved to, to Colorado... <coughs> um, when you say we, do you mean your girlfriend? My girlfriend and I. And okay. she had, uh, has a son, Alex, who uh, I've been uh, a father figure to since he was a young kid. Okay. And when we moved out here, he was six, five and a half, six. And we were choosing schools. He was about to go to first grade. And so uh, there was a, a school in Broomfield called Broomfield Academy that we had signed him up for. We were there for, I believe, for orientation and just to meet some of the other parents. It was a small school. Mm-hmm. The class sizes were small, so you got to know the parents pretty well. And uh, he and I just hit it off. We, we all hit it off, my, my girlfriend included. And um, we started a relationship from there, and we would just see each other at school all the time. I knew what he did, uh, and he would bounce some ideas off me every once in a while just from a marketing perspective. And then one day I just said, look, let me come in and let me show you what I do. I'll give you a proposal. If it makes sense for you, great. And the rest is history. Yeah. It's wow. crazy. So I mean, it really goes to show the power of, of networking or at least, I, I guess you don't have to be an extrovert, but you do need to put yourself out there, be yeah. interested in other people. Because I think without those things, you kind of restrict yourself from... Big time from meeting people, from, you know, I think especially now in this day and age with social media, people get so caught up in their own little bubbles Mm -hmm. of, you know, even when they go to something, an event, they just want to be by themselves. They don't want to meet new people. It's just like, hey, I'm just going to do my own thing. Yeah. But it's like, as soon as you open yourself up to meeting new people, to putting yourself out there, all of a sudden it, it just opens up more doors. That's, it's, this is the biggest key to, to starting the business. It wouldn't have gone anywhere had I not at least taken that first step and asked. And the other part of it that I am thinking about now is his willingness to listen, honestly, because this company was pretty big. It was, um, multi-million dollar company and he could have easily afforded a much better resource and agency. Right. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, like you're hungry. I want to give you a shot. That's huge. And I try to do that now when I can. Yeah. It's changed me for sure. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So how long did you do that for? How long were you, you doing that? I mean, did you, was, was the name of that company you started above? No, it was called 21 Development. Okay. And it means nothing. <laughs> 21 is my favorite number. I was born on July 21st. It's the number I wore in every <laughs> sporting event ever. Uh, <laughs> so it was meaningless, but it was what it was. And uh, after about two years of working with him, I, I met a gentleman through him who was, uh, he was a general manager of one of the three companies and he was a designer and wanted to eventually leave that company. And so he made the introduction to us, uh, of us thinking that we would be able to work together one day, um, at least on his projects. Yeah. And so he was doing a lot of new design for those three companies and we were doing, I was doing a lot of the marketing for those companies and he approached me one day of, with the intention of trying to join forces. He said, I want to start a company. I've got uh, a website. It's called Bove Designs and it stood for built under his vision. So it's very spiritual. It's something that he derived. Okay. Um, And it came also came from the word came from his son um, trying to say, I love you, dad. And he kept saying, I love you. Uh, So that's where the name originated. But um, this gentleman and I um, hit it off pretty well. We were really good friends, and I was open to the idea. And I gave him a crazy goal to accomplish within three months, and he did it in 13 days. Wow. I can't talk about that goal right now. (laughs) I hate to say that. Eat a bunch of marshmallows (laughs) as fast as you can. (laughs) (laughs) That would be way cooler. It was sales-related, though. Okay, yeah. Um, And... He accomplished it so quickly, and I said, all right, well, I'm a man of my word, so we joined forces. 
and uh, immediately had success. Like I said, we were already doing pretty good work with local SEO and, and starting to get referrals. And mm-hmm. um, he had a good network. I had a good network. And uh, things were on the up and up. And we were working out of his basement up in Thornton. And uh, life was good, man. Yeah. So how long was that before? Like, how long had you been doing 21 Designs? 21 Development. Or 21 Development before? About two years. Okay. Close to two years. So you're doing that for two years. Mm-hmm. Then uh, external source business partner that wanted to join forces comes to you and says, hey, let's do this. Yeah. So then, boom, you start Bub, essentially. Yeah. 13, 13 days later. Yeah. Cra- goals are met. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. And so essentially, we had two companies. He yeah. had, a, he had Bub was, was filed under his name, and 21 Development was under my name. I already had revenue mm-hmm. coming in through my company, and going through that merger process took took quite a quite a long time. Yeah, how do you, how do, how did you do that? And w- was there fears of man if I give a yeah. part of my business to this person? I mean, that seems like a scary place to be as far as an entrepreneur, right? When you're the guy who owns everything, man. you're the guy who's in charge, you make the decisions, and now all of a sudden you're opening yourself up because you're like, man, I think if I open myself up, I could grow. Mhm. But I mean, what, what did, did you go through any of those kind of mental checklists? Yeah, it was terrifying. It, it was a, it was a terrifying experience. I was, I remember being very open to giving half of my company away and thinking back on that now, I'm like, why would you be <laughs> like, what are you thinking? Yeah. But at the time it was, again, it was a lifestyle business. As I mentioned before, it was, I didn't want to grow this to 20 people or 10 million or anything like that. I just wanted to have fun. Mm-hmm. I wanted to to do the work that I really liked. I wanted to be able to spend time with my family meaningfully and uh, be able to support them and not go to a, to a cube farm every single day and, yeah. and deal with, you know, traffic nine to five and in Denver. Uh, so at the time it was fine. We were making a lot of money. We were doing really well and we didn't have a lot of cost. Yeah. So was it just the two of you at that point? Was it you doing the SEO and all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. And then him doing design and exactly. web development and stuff like that? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it says, and you're working on the basement. Mm-hmm. And did you guys gel as far as personalities go? I yeah. Mean, it's like, yeah, it's stuff in common. It was. We did, man. We had, we had a good friendship. Um, you know, eventually that led to a falling out. Mm-hmm. Those happen. Uh, he's yeah. no longer with Bub anymore. He's gone on and done his own thing. And I, that's fine. I wish him well. But yeah, we, very quickly... You know, our, our personalities meshed well. Um, we knew how to sell together. We knew how to work together really well. And <clears throat> I was introduced um, to another gentleman named Alex Hemker, who's my business partner now, through another friend from Ohio that I grew up with. He just happened to be out here and ran into Alex. Alex did something similar to what I do, did. He had a, a small company called Optimizing Denver and had a few clients for, for SEO. We hit it off really quickly as well, and it was time to bring in a third partner. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let's just give more. This so let's you just, get a company. You get a company. Yeah. Everybody gets a yes. company. <laughs> well, the idea behind it was, all right, we, we, we all have these very similar goals in how we want to um, optimize or style or, or develop our lives. Mm-hmm. This is a lifestyle type of business. We all have equal skin in the game. We all three equally do uh, distinctly different things, mm-hmm. and... Why not? It makes sense. Yeah. I know all of the why nots now, but I right. didn't then. <laughs> yeah. Um, but honestly, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it for the world. I don't think I would. Uh, I would change any of those um, interactions or additions to our team. It's been crucial for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure that there a lot of drama comes from that. You know, and you hear yeah. like they say, "Hey, never start a business or never give your company away. Never start a business with somebody else or don't start a business with a friend cuz mm-hmm. that'll destroy things." But I'm sure there are some some benefits and maybe you wouldn't have been able to grow mm-hmm. as fast and as large as you've gotten if it hadn't been for those mergers essentially that took place. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Um we we needed each other's help for sure. There was knowledge capital that we all had in different areas and putting it together was essential to getting Bub over the next hump yeah. of hiring people and taking on bigger clients. So when you guys first, so it was two of you mm-hmm. and then it was three of you and then it was work, four working out of the basement. Yes. Okay. And then it was four of you working out of the basement. Who's the fourth? So the, the fourth came on and that and was, then what were the, what, what each of you 
what did each of you bring to the table as far as, I mean, was that some requirement? You know, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, for my business, right, I think, man, I, I have all the clients. I have all the income coming in. I have all the relationships with, you know, freelancers and contractors mm-hmm. and all these things. If I brought somebody in on that, they would just be mooching off of what I have, right? Yeah. They don't they don't bring any value. I mean, if it's like, oh, well, I'll do sales or something like that. It's like, well, then why would I give you a piece of my company? Like, totally. Yeah. You know. Well, so <laughs> yeah. So to answer to answer that honestly, uh, again, it was just we all had skin in the game in, in specific areas. Um, I had no anticipation of growing this beyond four people. Mm-hmm. We didn't want that at the time, and so the the role definition was was such. I was head of all marketing. Um, Andrew, my previous partner, was head of all design and development. Alex, current partner, is uh, responsible for all business development, and Mark, also ex-partner, um, who left cordially here recently to do his own thing, um, director of, of all operations. We, all, we had very specific mm. things that we, that we wanted and needed to do, and our brains worked vastly different. Yeah. Um, so I think had I, um, if, I, if I had to do it over, <clears throat> I might not change the folks that we brought into above, but I certainly would change the structure. Yeah. 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 So that's a lesson learned. Yeah. I wouldn't give away any of your company if you don't have to. (laughs) Just a side (laughs) note for anybody who's listening who has a company, don't give it away. Don't give it away. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're looking for some, I guess I'm a good guy to ask. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This guy. This guy. He's giving companies away like nobody's business. It should be a t shirt. Yeah. How much of your company do you own? Uh, You know. Yeah. Depends on the day. That's right. So four dudes, yeah. heads down, working in the basement, getting clients. Was everything word of mouth? Was how, how did that work as far as how did you guys get business? Was it all word of mouth? Or were you someone pounding the pavement yeah. trying to get new clients and selling? A little, little bit of both. So we had uh, moved out of the basement at that time, and we moved to a 700-square-foot garage in Rhino. Okay. And uh, Rhino was not nearly as cool. Yeah, this is then, it's only recently been cool, so I it can was imagine. awful. <laughs> uh, but it was uh, it was where we started, man. It was it was where above all started, and yeah, I think to 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 your question, how did we get business? We were already doing really well with SEO. We were getting a lot of local leads because we were coming up um, top of mind and t- just coming up well in search. Um, Beyond that, we all had really great networks, and we all had a natural sales ability mm-hmm. that I don't think most companies have at the executive level. So when we had, and I call us executives, but at the time we certainly were not. Uh, <laughs> but even still, we we have a unique ability to connect the dots on a technical level, um, an ex- execution level, and from a sales perspective, really um, almost on a, in a layman's terms, be be able to speak the same language as the client. Mm-hmm. Um, and then translate that to the folks that are executing the work. I think it's a it's a really hard thing that not a lot of folks have. I, I know you have it too. So mm-hmm. um, that was just unique with the, with the four of us. We had that ability. And if you got us four in a room or even two of the four of us in a room, it was done. We would close that deal every time. Yeah. So you guys start moving along. Mm-hmm. You, you graduate from the basement. You yeah. go out to a crappy little <laughs> space in the ghettos of Rhino. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> And uh, at what point were you like, hey, we should hire some people? (laughs) You know, there's not enough drama here. Let's get some employees. Oh, man. (laughs) So, yes, uh, drama is is the right word. And if you're not familiar with it, go look up the drama triangle. Um, But essentially, that's just like the victim mindset and how it plays out within a company. Yeah. Holy cow. but beyond that, we, we were at a co-working space there in Rhino called uh, Green Spaces. It's actually still mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um, and we met a gentleman named Tim Musso. He was a writer and speaker. And we needed a lot of content developed for our websites. And so we naturally started working with him because he was a great writer. Um, he really understood how to write for the web. Um, and just had a... He just kind of fit us, you know? He was a great contractor. And eventually, over time, we said, all right, it's, it's probably cheaper now to pay him as an employee um, than it is to contract him. Excuse me. <clears throat> and so uh, employee number one, I guess, was Tim Mussel. Okay. I just talked to Tim yesterday. 
He's still a speaker. He's okay. moved on from Buff, but does his life's work, which is uh, speaking to to young folks at college campuses, on oh, college nice. campuses, yeah. That's awesome. Um, but was it a good idea? I don't know. We At the time, we needed content developed, and um, Tim really fit the bill from that perspective. We then landed a few larger clients uh, that allowed us to expand the team a little bit more, um, expand office space a little bit more, and get into all of the, the new trappings of running a business. Yeah. All these things you think you need that you really don't. Um, that are really attractive to you. Like what are those, like what are some of those things? Like shiny offices and like yeah. really cool logos on your windows and um, all the all the cool gadgets and toys that look, that make you look the part. Yeah. They don't do a damn thing for you in terms of execution right. typically. Well, do you think, do you think that there is any benefit to looking the part? Yeah. At yeah. all? Yeah. And so I would go on to immediately just like crush what I just said with, but it helped us so much, even right. just looking the part. Yeah. Because it's like you're four dudes in a basement, right? But someone says, oh, wow, you guys have a space yes. in downtown Denver. Like you must be a legitimate company. We must we'll be legit. Yeah. Right. Well, and it came from one of those clients, one of the first clients we took to our garage uh, after the meeting. They were like, look, we love working with you guys, but where are we right now? Like, why are we in this garage? And uh, they're still clients today. They're the greatest people on earth. But they, they, from a decorum standpoint or from just a business acumen standpoint, they just raised the concern and then gave us some, some tutelage on what yeah. we should do next. And so we took it to heart. And we went and found a, a private lease that we're still in, in the same building down at 14th and Market. Yeah, sweet, sweet, yeah, sweet spot. Yeah. So it gave us a lot of legitimacy i think when we when we got into those spaces clients when they come in they feel welcomed they feel like it's a, a real agency and it is yeah but at the time we weren't we weren't there yet right yeah yeah fake it till you make it <laughs> i was gonna say fake it till you become it till you become it yes yeah <laughs> so all right so then you guys hired your first employee mm -hmm. you start getting consistent client work at that point was were you doing everything where the four of you guys pretty much spinning all the plates. Yeah. The four of us were doing everything. Uh, we, we very quickly needed to bring in somebody else for design. We we're getting a lot of overflow design work mm -hmm. and it was just too much for one person to handle. Um, and we really started looking at this as a business and, and how to actually grow an agency yeah. and took it upon ourselves to educate ourselves further. Uh, I think the biggest component to our success in the first 18 months was creating strategic partnerships in town mm -hmm. with some of the best. And it was a terrifying, terrifying thing for me to do because I remember when we first got to Denver, when I first moved here and started 21 development, there was a company there that ranked number one for Denver SEO called volume nine. They're still there. The owner of that company, his name's Chuck Akins. He's now a really good friend of mine, but I remember thinking like if I can put myself in this echelon of, companies, I will have felt that we've succeeded as a company. If we're playing in the same market, if we're going head to head against each other for business, I will feel like we've accomplished our goal. And we did that within 13 months. Hmm. Like I said, I'm, we're friends with these people now and they were willing to give us the time knowing hmm. that we were just this four person startup in a garage. Um, they were willing to give us their wisdom and their time and even business at yeah. times. I mean, these, these, the, the three companies that I would specifically uh, point out would be Volume 9, Spire Digital, Mike Gelman, who owns Spire Digital, uh, and Keith Roberts over at Zenman. Those three people, those companies, I think taught me more about the agency world and industry than any college experience ever could have taught me. Hmm. And being able to now call those gentlemen uh, for advice and for an understanding of where they're going and what should we be looking out for. Um, it's, it's invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Relationship really is one of those things where sometimes it just helps when you can talk to somebody who's already been through it, mm -hmm. you know, it kind of saves you on the back end of making similar mistakes or, or whatever it is. It, it does. And I, you know, the original question I'm, I feel like I strayed from, but, uh, no, that's good. There's the no, there's no format here. There's no format here. Good. <laughs> yeah. No. So <clears throat> I, I think, you know, I, I guess my thought is, is what did, what were you going through mentally mm -hmm. 
when you were in, in just in the weeds, right, with all that stuff? Because right now you have 13 employees. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, I mean, that's a pretty decent size small business, right? I mean, that's a lot of headache. That's a lot of health insurance and payrolls taxes. and taxes. I mean, there's just a <laughs> lot there that you have to think about and deal with. Yeah. So, you know, when you were in the midst of spinning all those plates, the four of you guys, you had an employee who was writing copy, doing all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, was the end goal, were you always thinking, okay, we want to continue to grow. We want to build this thing up. Was there like a goal in mind or was it like, as things came, you just walk through those doors? I think, you know, I think it was a little bit of both. I think it happens organically, but when we were in it, I remember pulling from my experience um, from AT&T and kind of breaking it down and compartmentalizing it, if you will, about um, the types of people that we need to hire, the types of business that we can execute and close, and then really understanding, you know, kind of what our ceiling is and where those cutoff points are. We were way off in all of our forecasting, but at least thinking about that and how to grow, Mm -hmm. um, it put us in the right mindset to be nimble and to react quickly to those things. Uh, being that small w- with four or five people, it's it's pretty qu- um, easy to, to shift and and go after a different target if you need to. With 13, it's really difficult. Um, but we always knew that we wanted to build a recurring model. Uh, we always n- knew we wanted to build a high, high margin business. Um, and we always knew that we wanted to work with small, medium-sized business owners. Mm-hmm. So having those as sort of our pillars um, it really helped define and inform what we were going to offer going forward. Once we started to build the team, those that changed a lot because people had um, skin in the game. They had um, an expertise and a background where they wanted to produce the highest quality work they could possibly produce. And so they pushed us. They really pushed us to, to do more, to be better, to be better leaders, um, to give them the tools that they needed to be better. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that first year was really hard. Uh, but what you asked about what was going through my mind at the time. I think it was just honestly chaos. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking back now. And it was pretty chaotic. There's so much to manage. Mm-hmm. And there's so many, um, there's five people going in different directions at all times that I wish we would have had an EOS format or structure, like a business structure. Mm-hmm. Um, or philosophy that we didn't have at the time. I think mm. if we were to start this business tomorrow, it would go really differently, right? drastically differently. A lot smoother. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot smoother. But, you know, when, when you're in it, you're just in it, and you, and you, you don't have a choice but to continue right. and push forward. This is our baby. Now, did you guys split up the work as far as, like, client management goes or project management? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... We split that up pretty well. We, we didn't have a project manager for a long time in our business. We avoided it. We needed it probably a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, Why did you avoid it? Account management and project management were two things that um, I had a brief stint in another agency when I came to Denver, and I saw that there was a better way to, to do it. I think you could have a much uh, flatter organization, a little more horizontal, without the six layers to jump through mm-hmm. to get to your account manager. That experience that I watched over and over was just awful. And so being, at the time, the, quote, expert, being the one um, doing most of uh, the sales, or at least being a part of the sales process, and then executing the work, I felt that I was best suited to talk to the client. Um, you can do that with 10 clients. Yeah. With 100, it's right. It's impossible. So we didn't think about some of the scaling issues there um, and didn't, let go of things that we shouldn't have done in the first place. And that's the thing that I have to learn on a daily basis still. I want to do everything. And I want to be at least B plus level at everything, man. Like I can't stand being <laughs> C minus D, right. D plus. Um, I would take C average right now across all disciplines, but I just need that. That's how my brain works. Yeah. And I can't, ha- I can't communicate that to my team, my clients, whoever, my audience, unless I know it like an expert. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So so that kind of brings us to now, right? I mean, essentially yeah. you've had some partners leave mm-hmm. and have you refilled their roles or have you decided to No, I think that we are understanding of where we're at now and what we want to do and where we want to be. Mm-hmm. Um 
there was absolutely no hard feelings in having partners at all. I think yeah. it was awesome. I had a great time. Um, but having a business structure like EOS, and I encourage everybody to check out yeah, Entrepreneur's you... Operating System. Okay, yeah. Um, I'll say that again. It was It's Entrepreneur's Operating System, EOS. There's a book called Traction by Gino Wickman. Um, just a phenomenal system that, that we've taken to heart and installed above, and it's really changed the way our businesses run for the better. Absolutely. Yeah. But man, installing a, a business solution like that has, um, it's taken its toll on us. It was hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to do, but we're better for it in every way. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of learn from your mistakes and you grow Yeah. and you become better as a business. We do. Owner. And, and I think, you know, you asked about sort of structure. We, uh, having just two of us on, um, the executive team, so to speak, it really helps keep things going in one direction mm-hmm. and rowing in the right direction right. And, and eliminates um, just the conflicts that come up between three people. It's, it's naturally going to happen, especially between friends. Right. So, um, tread lightly if you want to have friends as partners. That will be my advice and wisdom here. Yeah. Um. And then as far as your growth happened, did you find that it was just like we landed a larger client with a lot more resources and we just need to add somebody else to the team to kind of take on some of this work? Is that kind of how you started to grow beyond one employee? Yeah. Once we had figured out our pitch and had it really well dialed in and understand our our differentiators, um, we were getting leads hand over fist. Like we couldn't we, we had too many leads, which was mm-hmm. an awesome problem. It's a great it's not, problem. Not that way anymore. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was really easy to, to acquire business. And because it was so such a similar style of business that we were uh, managing over and over again, it, it really allowed for scale quickly without a lot of resources, like added resources. Mm-hmm. So the, the marketing team was uh, built at the same time as the design team with just sort of one member at a time. And the way we would do it was bringing in, and, and I advise everybody here, or everybody listening to do this as well. Um, if you have an opportunity to bring in interns to your business, especially in an area that you haven't defined yet, like maybe you're just testing a new service or something that you want to offer, or maybe there's, there are um, things that are on your plate that could be better handled by somebody else. An intern structure worked really well for us, almost in a contract to hire hmm. position. And we built our team that way for the first year. It was scalable, it was affordable, and we have team members that started as interns that are still with us today that are, are extremely thankful and grateful that we gave them a shot because they were just starting to learn this stuff, and now they're running departments and teams. Yeah. That's just really rewarding, man. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So what are some resources that you, you remember? You mentioned the EOS. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other things? How did you always keep yourself motivated or how did you keep yourself on top of your game as far as showing up every day and wanting to continue to push and yeah. be a better person? Boy, that was hard. Especially when I was working at home, sometimes that was like, ah, uh, I could rake the leaves or I could run this campaign successfully. And sometimes I would choose the leaves. I could go snowboarding. <laughs> You're right. Or work. Well, that's, that's way more fun than raking leaves. Yeah, that, like that's, that's where it came to <laughs> at, at times. Um, it's hard when you live and work in your office. It, it's hard. Um, you asked me for resources though. Sorry. Could you re- yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, I think was there, were you listening to podcasts? Were you reading oh, books? Yeah. Did you have mentors or, you know, things that you did to help your, help keep you inspired and moving forward kind of? Yes. So religiously, uh, listened to, to several podcasts, um, in, in, in the marketing world, there aren't as many as I'd like there to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are, I think, uh, like for big brand agency work. Um, but at the time, there were there were podcasts, honestly, like this, hearing stories um, from other entrepreneurs who had been through it. And um, one of the books th- that also helped really get me over that hump was reading the the Steve Jobs autobiography mm-hmm. or the biography from yeah. Walter Isaacson. It's great. It's great, and just understanding where he came from and how he did it. Um, and all of the, the struggles that he went through and how he had to, quote, fake it to you, become it. I'll use yours. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it wasn't th- that I was giving myself false hopes that I could just, like, will this to happen. But it was, it was being 
diligent and intentional in surrounding myself with people that um, were successful in this world already. Mm-hmm. So just proximity, I believe in that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, and reading constantly. I read so much those first two years. I'm not sure if it helped. Like it, I, it had so much coming in, right. so much uh, drinking from the fire hose for real. Yeah. Um, that I, it's just now that I'm starting to learn these lessons that I picked up three and a half, four years ago. Right. It's really interesting how that happens. Yeah. You know, I, I find myself, I, I try to read constantly. Mm-hmm. Always. I'm always, I really love business. You know, mm-hmm. I love, uh, just growing a business. I love to listen to other people's ideas about business mm-hmm. and maybe inspire growth or whatever that is. Um, but I'm always listening to stuff. And then it's funny because, like you said, a year or two later, all of a sudden like, I spout oh. off something, you know, about some sort of process or, you know, technique. And I'm like, I just kind of absorb that through osmosis. Because yeah. sometimes when you're reading something, you get so in like, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know how to implement all that I'm learning right now. You That's know, most of the time, I <laughs> yeah. think, in that world. Yeah, it's like. And then all of a sudden, I think because if you continually feed yourself, you yeah. you naturally take it, take it on without even knowing it, you know? Yeah. And I, and I have to, like I said, beat my head against a wall a few times to learn it. And that's just how I've always been. So, uh, we, we came into this, uh, industry, I think, um, because it was internet focused. It was technical and it, it, that appeals to my mind. And there is so much material available to us for free. Mm Mm-hmm that if you can't enrich yourself and learn this material on your own, then you got no excuse, honestly. I didn't go to college, so I have to do something else. Yeah. And there's way too many materials out there to learn what I need to know and just further myself. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, man, I, I love this story. I think it's very empowering and super encouraging. Um, Thanks. I feel like so, I'm talking a lot. Well, that's what this show's about, <laughs> yeah. talking a lot. This is true. Um, what about you're into snowboarding, mm-hmm. into drumming. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, were you ever in a band or anything like that? Yeah, I was in a couple. Like in high yeah. school? Were you high like school. in some garage band type thing? High school and like when I was not going to college, yeah. like in those time I always periods. say, like, because a lot of times like I say in college, I was like, I didn't go to college, but I lived in a college town there with college age people. <laughs> The college years. The college years. Okay. During the college years. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so you did You did some bands and stuff? I was stuff in a couple and, of bands. Okay. Um, we were not, we didn't tour or anything okay. like that. I, I really wish I would have, though. Like I said, I think I would have invested a heck of a lot more time into that um, because I'm, I'm pretty good at the drums. Yeah. That's, that's like a passion of mine. So do you have like a kid or something at your house you just toy around on, like electric drum set whenever all the kids are sleeping? You know? There will be a new one coming soon. When we moved to our new new house, there was no place for it and so it was very painful to get rid of uh my last kit yeah but there's a new one coming soon okay very excited nice very excited so that's kind of like your hobby then it like is yeah when you want to de-stress you totally you go man. and just just go beat the skins yeah. yeah nice that's awesome what about favorite food what do you what kind of food are you into you said earlier oysters i love oysters i recently just had oysters for the first time okay uh, and I thought it was a really good, so I was in Boston. We, we were in Boston on a job okay. and I, I looked out the window at the restaurant and I said, there's the ocean. And <laughs> I looked at the menu. I said, this would probably be a good place to eat oysters if I was going to try them for the first time. I'd agree. So I got them. Uh, you know, I don't know what makes a good oyster. Okay. Uh, it, it tasted like the ocean. Okay. Kind of had the chewy, you know, tender texture. Yeah. But it, it looked like you're, you know. Sucking Standard a loogie out of a out of a shell, <laughs> yeah, salty. That's what they look like. I it's I never thought I would they would appeal to me at all because they all of those things you said are true. Yeah. Uh, what makes a good oyster for me personally is that brininess, yeah. that ocean flavor, and man, I just like a nice creamy oyster. Okay, all just right? creamy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is that's the worst. A, that is the worst. I mean, <laughs> um, I'm not a huge fan of seafood. I find I it's more of a vehicle to eat other things, right? Like mm. like crab or lobster. I like butter, and so in order for me to eat butter, I have to eat crab and lobster okay. with that. So this is just like a butter <laughs> delivery system. Yeah, exactly. Same thing with shrimps. It's like I like cocktail sauce. So how do I eat cocktail sauce and not feel guilty? I can get behind that. Diet. Get some shrimps <laughs> and yeah. deliver the cocktail sauce. I love butter too. I'm a huge <laughs> butter guy. Yeah. See. Um, so. Yeah, man. I, I think that, uh, so my, you asked what my favorite yeah. 
Favorite food. Favorite food. Gosh, I don't know. That'd be hard. I think pizza. It's just always too easy to go to. It's classic. Good pizza. Yeah. Good margarita pizza. Margarita. Mm -hmm. Look at that. It's like classy. That's it. (laughs) Just don't overdo it. You don't need that much. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, music? What are you into for music? Man, I am all over the map in music. I grew up um, in a time, and there's a band called OAR, and they are from Columbus, Ohio. Okay. And man, I just fell in love with that band. So I, I turn them on frequently. Um, but love the Chili Peppers. I just I love like '90s rock. That's where I grew up. Yeah, me too. That's just me. I'm like a '90s. I, I'm more of like the '90s post grunge. Okay. Like that's what I really love. You know, because I have a lot of friends who are like, oh yeah, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, like I can get behind some of those songs. But I'm more of like. You know, Matchbox 20's first record, Weezer's Blue awesome. album, yeah. you know, like awesome. Vertical Horizon, like all these like... We can get like down together. That mid-90s, sure. you know, from like 90, like 4 to 2000. Yes. That was... How do you feel about um, R.E.M.? Uh, once again, I like some of their It's the End of the World, okay. Everybody Hurts. There's some hits, but overall... Same. That yeah. was that's my test for okay. like 90s. Like, do you like R.E.M.? Yeah, no. Okay. No, and then they would, they would also be pre, pre for me, pre-grunge. This is true, yeah. Because they kind of came older. like 80s, and then they had their heyday like in the early 90s. Yeah, I'm dating myself now. Yeah. I'm, I'm th- almost 38. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in that club. The Almost 38 the Club. Almost 38 Club. Yeah. So, okay. And then favorite cocktail? Old fashioned. Man, it's tough to screw that up. Or honestly, just like a good classic margarita. Like, don't give oh, me yeah. all of the syrups. Yeah. Like, just three, Lime. four ingredients. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, at home, I, I cube of ice, mm-hmm. a good tequila, mm-hmm. squeeze a lime, a little what agave. What you need, man? Boom. Yeah. Done. It's hard done. to find somebody to make that. I know. Like and it's like, I don't want all the fluff. <laughs> it's I like, just want these three things. Give it in a small glass. <laughs> no salt. It's not hard. Again, these are just like kind of classic, basic yeah. drinks, right? Totally. They, they, people put too much in them. Too much. Yeah. Uh, and then you you have uh, you have a girlfriend. I do, yes, Michelle. Of of many years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then any children? Don't ask me how many. I'm probably screwed that up. <laughs> Two and a half. She's three. gonna be like, I heard the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not linking to this. Yeah. So and then uh, children, you said. I have one of my own. Okay. And uh, when we moved out here, my girlfriend at the time had has a uh, yeah um, a son, Alex, who's uh, essentially been my stepson for that. Yeah period of time nice. but I've always been in his life and uh, my girlfriend also has has a son so I get to I get to play dad to everybody is what I like to say yeah. I love it man it's I really love being a dad and um, influencing young people yeah yeah it's the best it's cool yeah I always tell my friends who don't have kids I'm like you know <laughs> it's kind of like a 401k plan you don't see the benefit of it when you're younger, but the more you put into it, and if you don't cash it out, yeah. it grows, and yes. uh, you know, it's really enjoyable. And now I'm like, my kids are kind of into like fun stuff, like going to Marvel movies and oh, Star Wars awesome. and How things like they? that. Ten, seven, and five. Okay, I got three. Perfect. Yeah. So, my ten year old, every weekend, he's like, "What movie can we watch?" Mm-hmm. You know, and and then it's so fun to like let's watch Back to the Future, you know? And yes. it's like, it's just so fun because they're like, this is awesome. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> oh man, that's been a big part. It's like our household over the past three to four months, it's been Goonies. Oh yeah. You know, all of those throwbacks. And uh, I'm like, oh, these kids love this. It makes me really happy yeah, to see them like it. I, I love that too. Yeah. We uh, started going through all like the 80s and early 90s, you know, and in the 80s, there's some movies that I like, like War Games, right? Which is kind of oh, like, yeah. you know, one of those classic movies. I'm like, I don't know if my kids are going to like this or not. Mm-hmm. But we put it on and they loved it. Yeah. And it was like, wow, I can't believe you had the attention span to like watch this. Yeah. And then I watch all the ones from my childhood, like more of like the early 90s, like Home Alone. They love Home Alone. Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. Boom. You know, Matilda yeah. and like Richie Rich. <laughs> and <laughs> You know what always cracks me up? I watched Mighty Ducks recently with my kids and what always cracks me up is that the first five minutes of that film, it's a PG-rated movie, yeah. mind you. First five minutes of that movie is Emilio Estevez getting a DUI. <laughs> and for some reason, his punishment is to coach a kid's hockey team. <laughs> it's like, do you want this person coaching your kids? How did this movie get made? <laughs> but I'm glad it did. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's just a, a crazy thing. Yeah, that's the one thing about 80s movies is they're legitimately probably like PG-13 movies oh, like yeah. if they were to come out today because yeah. the, the, the cussing and the themes and everything is like, 
I'm like, my kids are like, what the heck? I'm like, sorry. Sorry, it's just how we grew <laughs> yeah. up. There's this like movie called Batteries Not Included. I love that movie. Yeah. There's a scene where they show this guy painting the girl full boob. Yeah. And it's PG. PG. Yes. <laughs> like Johnny Five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways. Oh, that's short circuit. That's, that's short circuit. Movie. Yeah. I have seen that movie. Yeah. But uh, anyways, uh, good good times. Well, cool, man. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on the show. This was awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out and sharing your story. Yeah. Uh, and just encouraging the people who are listening that, you know, they're not so far from where they want to be and they have what it takes within them to be successful. Absolutely. And, you know, if I take anything from this, I say, put yourself out there, you know, network, get to know somebody that you don't know and be genuinely interested in somebody else and see where that takes you and how that opens up, you know, hundred percent your life. So that's uh, those are, that's good wisdom to live by for sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, cool. Well, um, you guys subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, follow us on Facebook and join the group. And, um, we will see you next time. <laughs>